There's a very well-known museum just a few steps from here. It's called the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And it is a relatively new museum. It was the hottest ticket in town for a while. It's a little easier to get into now. And if you haven't been, I highly recommend a visit. Uh, my first visit, I spent hours there, as most people do. There's so much to absorb, so much to take in. And even after many hours of lingering and, and reading and observing things, I, as I was walking away, was already thinking about when's the next time I can go back to see the rest of the museum. And I remember the feeling I had as I was walking away. I was full, full of both an awareness of just what human beings are capable of doing to other human beings in the worst imaginable sense of that word, and also aware of the glory of humanity, what human beings are capable of doing for other human beings when they are at their most beautiful and heroic. That museum has the entire spectrum present, and you can't miss it when you spend time there. We were very honored this past week. On Wednesday night, we were asked to host as a venue uh, a talk about race and about slavery. And the, specifically, it was about slavery in the president's neighborhood right here in this part of Washington, D.C., where we have been located since the church began more than 200 years ago. And it was held by the White House Historical Association. They've been doing research and commissioning essays, new historical essays. And by the way, these are not easy essays to be researched because a lot of the material hasn't been saved. They have to really do detective work to put together the stories that have yet to be told. And so we had this event here. We filled this room with more than 600 people. We had, we had lights and TV cameras and C-SPAN and um, it was a little unusual for me to look out and be blinded by light instead of being able to actually see the people. Um, and the conversation was a, an interview between two people. David Rubenstein, the well-known uh, patriotic philanthropist here in Washington, D.C., interviewed Lonnie Bunch. And Lonnie Bunch is the founding director of the National Museum of African American History and Culture. So the two sat right here and they had this conversation for about an hour. And one of the questions that David Rubenstein asked to Lonnie Bunch that really caught my attention was a question about freedom. To consider the topic of slavery, the institution that it was, um, realizing that so many of the people who were enslaved, what they sought, of course, they would have liked better living conditions, better working conditions, but there was one thing that was even greater than that, and that was freedom. And so David Rubenstein asked Lonnie Bunch, what can you say about Thomas Jefferson? Th Thomas Jefferson, for whom being a slave owner was not just a mere footnote in his life. Slavery was a big part of the way that he lived. Um, and so he said, 
perhaps for him to understand about freedom and to be able to write the words that have inspired so many, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are creative equal, for him to understand freedom perhaps came out of his firsthand experience of the opposite and seeing what that does to human beings. There's darkness and there's light. Knowing the darkness helps us reveal the light. This morning in the text that we have, we hear a lot about the law that is given. The law is given out uh, to the people of God in the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament, there's a twist that comes. And in many places, you see the law as an oppressive thing. The many, many rules and requirements that God has set out for God's people as how we are meant to live it's oppressive because if you try to live by all of those rules, you will fail. Nobody can ever succeed, and so you're guilty perpetually under the law. And yet, the law is spoken of as this golden thing that gives you, actually, liberation. And how can that possibly be? And Jesus is trying to get us to that place with his words that we heard in the gospel this morning where he talks about how he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And what we have to understand is that these hundreds of rules that have been handed down are not there just to make us rule followers, but to show us a way of living. I understand in the 12-step movement, they have a phrase, fake it till you make it. If you live a certain way, it will form you. And the law is not just about dietary restrictions or exactly how and when you pray and these things. We sometimes focus on them. But the spirit underneath, underpinning all of the law, it's about how to live in the right way with God, how to live in the right way with your neighbor, and how to live in the right way with yourself. And as the words from Isaiah point out, to fulfill the law, it's about living with kindness, with compassion, with justice, loosening the bonds of oppression for those who need liberation, who need freedom. And in that sense, when you take the law to your heart and you make it part of you, you're no longer riding the bike with the training wheels. You're really riding. You're really upheld. And that's where you find your freedom. We often think about freedom as if it's freedom from things that makes freedom freedom, but really I believe freedom is freedom for. Freedom for these things that we know we want to do and we need to do, but sometimes something makes us not free to step out and to live that way that we know it is our calling to live. To be people of forgiveness, for example. To be people of love in the way that God loves. There's a, a book, one of my favorite illustrations about the law and what it's about is a kind of unlikely one, and it comes from a book by a guy named A.J. Jacobs. He's a writer and a journalist and a, kind of a, a curious person who likes to do these experiments with his life and then write about it. Um, he one time decided to explore something called radical honesty 
and it's the philosophy that a person should just say the truth all the time, no matter how large or small, and you just say what you're thinking. And um, the, are you ready for this? The title of the book is, I Think You're Fat. <laughs> and he said that that book, that, that month of his life was the worst month of his whole life. <laughs> it's not uh, recommended at all. But he did a different book for a whole year, 12 months. He set out, he grew up as a secular Jew and not a religious person at all. Uh, he decided he would go through and identify every rule that he could from the Old Testament and the New Testament and live by those rules. And he had to build upon it. He didn't start on the first day that way. The first month was a certain set, and then he added to it and added to it. By the end of the 12 months, he's living in New York City, and he's wearing all white and tending sheep, believe it or not. Um, and the end of the year, he has had to work really hard to do this project. It, by the way, the book is called My Year of Living Biblically. And by the end of the year, you would think that he would feel relieved that he is free, doesn't have to live by those rules anymore. But he describes when the year came to an end, there was a sorrow. It turned out by living by all these rules, no matter what they were, big or small, if they seemed like good rules or not, he followed them all. And by the end of that year, when he stepped away from it, he realized that he was losing something. The spirit of the law is real. The spirit of the law leads us to a higher way of living. And it leads us to something that is actually called righteousness. That's a word that we've heard many times in the readings this morning. And I think that word righteousness, we sometimes hear it and we think about someone who is self-righteous. But that is not true righteousness. Someone who is that kind of righteous is someone who is better than others. Real righteousness is being in right relationship. And it's a beautiful thing, and it's what we're called to do and to be. I imagine it as being living so that our lives are in sync with God's life. That is the righteousness that God wants for us. And that is liberation. And that is freedom. If we're truly free, we will be free for a righteous life. And with those beautiful words from Isaiah, we will find that our lives are like a watered garden. And that light will come into the darkness and that our gloom will be like the light of noonday. Amen.